welcome to day 21 of 31 days of terror. I have four spooky stories for you today and the last story comes from Friday the 16th of October 2020 and story number one comes from Lana. For as long as I can remember I've always been able to feel things that are otherwise not there. For instance I can sense people in an empty room I have a general idea about them, so they may be male, older and not malicious, for example. Spirits have never really bothered me, except for the two times as a kid and a teenager when I actually saw them. The first time was right after my great-grandfather had passed away. I was probably around seven. I knew he was sick, and I knew he had passed, and I would never see him again. But that's really the extent of a child's understanding of death. What I wasn't expecting was one night sitting in our back room and catching a glimpse of something in the corner of my eye. I looked through the serving window into our kitchen and there was my great-granddad standing next to our microwave and smiling at me in the cheeky way he always would when he was alive. From there he walked straight into the lounge room through a closed door where my mother and stepfather were watching something I wasn't allowed to watch. I called my mum and told her what I saw and she started crying. She told me that she had just smelled his cologne. When I was around 17, I used to stay at my boyfriend's house over the weekend. Because we were young, I wasn't allowed to sleep in his bedroom, so I was on the pull-out couch in the lounge room. I would always get this uneasy feeling of being watched all the time when I stayed there. By this stage in my life, I knew what it was and did my best to ignore it. I knew he was a middle-aged man, and he would just stare. Then he decided to show himself. He would stand in the entrance to the hallway, and I got the sense he was confused, and a little bit put out that I was there. He was a portly, middle-aged man, wearing glasses and a thick leather hat often seen in the Aussie outback. I told my boyfriend and his family that they had a ghost in their house. His mum and his sister made fun of me, but his father was stuck on the description of the man. He went to get an old family album, turned a page, and there, smiling happily from a photo, was the man I had seen. It turned out it was his father's uncle. When my boyfriend and I started sharing a room when I was over, I finally worked out why the uncle was so confused. He used to sit on the couch and keep watch at night and I had been lying in the place that he used to sit. I need to preface this next story with saying that I'm going to change the names. One of the people fancies himself as famous, when really he is a washed-up rock star wannabe. He's also dumb as a post. This detail about his intelligence is important later, and we're just going to call him Matt. The next person is his band manager. She was lovely, and I miss her sometimes but she got into the drugs pretty hardcore towards the end of our friendship, so I bailed. We're just going to call her Rose. I used to stay at Rose's house with her and help with the band stuff. We'd write up press releases and send EPs to radio stations all over the world and plan local tours, etc. We would be working until all hours of the night sometimes. This one night we were working and it was around 12am. We decided it was time to take a break, have a smoke and some coffee and just chill out for a bit. Matt was off at a solo gig and should be finished up soon, if not already on his way back. Matt and Rose were sleeping together. It's not important for the story, 
but Matt is a horrible lech who was cheating on his wife with Rose. As we got up and stretched, we walked towards the kitchen and I just got a horrible feeling. I would not walk any further to the kitchen and just stood in the lounge area facing the front door, which was a glass sliding door. There was something malicious outside. The only way I can describe the feeling is utter dread. Imagine dementors. No happiness. Cold. Shivers. The whole lot. That's what I felt. Rose was watching the door, looking terrified. We decided to nope the fuck out of there and go for a drive. Imagine two grown-arse women bolting out a door and around the cars, fumbling with the lock and then screeching down the driveway. The reaction is funny now, but at the time it honestly felt like life and death. As soon as we were off the property, the feelings went away. I felt at ease and so did Rose. We drove around for about half an hour. There was a parallel street behind Rose's house. As we drove down the street and past the property behind her house, the feeling came back. As soon as we were past the property line, it went away. We decided to get our big girl pants on and go back. Matt was due back and we couldn't drive around all night. Cue the crazy running from the car to the front door, struggling with the keys and full of panic until we got back inside. We closed the curtains and I grabbed some salt and proceeded to salt every door and windowsill in the house to block that bad bitch out. Maybe it was a placebo effect, but after salting the entrances to the house, the feeling faded. We decided that work was over for now and we were going to finally get that coffee and then binge watch Sex in the City until we felt better. As we were settled on the couch to watch, we started chatting about mundane shit. Suddenly Rose's face went pale as her eyes followed something behind me. I looked to where her eyes had stopped and there floating around six feet off the ground was a large orb, probably around a foot in diameter. It was white and rainbow at the same time. It's difficult to explain but imagine oil on water where the colours were shifting It hovered in front of the bathroom door for a few seconds and then floated through the closed door. It was the only time in my life that I've ever seen an orb that wasn't in a photo. Even photographed orbs can be debunked because of dust particles in the air and the flash of the camera. I can't think of anything that would have created this shape. We only had a lamp on, there were no mirrors to throw light and I can't explain this away. However, we decided to ignore it. Too much had happened. It wasn't worth getting scared again. I felt nothing malicious from it, so I wasn't scared. Rose was unsettled, though, so we just faced the TV and lost ourselves in Sex in the City. Now, remember how I said Matt was as dumb as a post? Like, he was so stupid. He thought he was intelligent and used to say the dumbest things. He would use words that he had heard other people say but have no idea what they meant or how to use them in the correct context. He was one of those people. Half an hour after the orb situation, we heard Matt's van come screaming up the driveway. Within seconds of the van turning off, he was bashing against the glass door, screaming at us to let us in. He looked terrified when he finally calmed down a little bit and he told us that about half an hour before, he was driving down a long, dark road on his way back and he saw a bloody figure in the middle of the lane as if they were on a crucifix. As he got closer, it disappeared 
and then from inside the van, behind his chair, he heard a gravelly voice say, Stigmata. He sped all the way back. Matt had no idea what the word stigmata meant, so that was my most terrifying experience. I've since had a daughter and she speaks to people that aren't there all the time. My favourite of the people she talks to is my best friend who passed away the beginning of the year my daughter was born. She will often be talking to Auntie Mel. And story number two comes from Hannah. Firstly, you ought to know that my dad is a legend. He is the kindest, funniest scouser you could wish to meet. He has done many things in his time, including gaining his second dan in judo and starting his own landscaping company from scratch. Details that will make more sense as you read through these stories. Secondly, I would describe my dad as having a 50-50 attitude towards the paranormal. Once I asked him if he thought Dynamo was really magic, am I right? To which he replied, For fuck's sake, Han, obviously he isn't magic, there's no such thing. But then, on the other hand, he has many spooky tales of his own to tell. I'll start with a ye old England type story. My dad penned this story in his own words when he was in his 20s. He's in his 70s now and hopefully he won't kill me for saying that. He told me he wasn't very good at spelling and handwriting, so he had decided to take some classes for self-improvement, which is a testament to his utter cuteness. He wrote his story down as part of an assignment for his English classes, so I will type it as it was written here in front of me. A few years ago, I decided to go to my sister's house for a week's holiday. She lives in a small village. Except for five other houses, there weren't any other houses for approximately six miles. It was nice and quiet there. I liked the idea of being away from it all. To keep her expenses down, my sister burnt logs to warm her house. I like physical exercise, so I thought it would be a good idea to collect some logs for her. There wasn't much else to do anyway. As I got busy, the pile of wood that I had stacked against a wall grew quite high. My sister was impressed, but I was having difficulty in finding any logs large enough to make firewood. My sister recommended that I look in a field that was about half a mile away from her house. She explained how I could get there, and that it had a pond in the centre of it with trees around it. It didn't take me long to find the field. I could tell it was the correct one, as I saw the pond and the trees in it. I was pleased to find some branches had fallen off the trees and they were quite large. Although it seemed impossible, I decided to give it a go and try to get them back to my sister's house. I had to stop many times on the journey back as the logs were quite heavy. By the time I get this lot back and cut it into reasonable sizes, my sister will have enough wood to last her through the winter, I thought to myself, as I wiped the sweat from my brow. After I finished chopping the logs, it was time for tea. My sister and I had an aperitif before our meal. I didn't really need to build up an appetite, the work had made me hungry. After tea I felt very tired. I sat in front of the television to watch a programme. This particular programme was about the spirit world. I found it a frightening subject, but an interesting one. Later that evening some of my sister's friends arrived to visit her and we all sat around the fire and talked. During the conversation... 
my sister mentioned that I had been to the field with the pond in it to collect some wood. One of her friends explained to me that the field was haunted. A ghost called the Hanging Judge was supposed to float around the pond in a barrel. I laughed at this and put it down as a joke. As time went by I became very tired and I decided to go to bed. I hadn't been in bed very long. Just as I was about to drop off to sleep for a reason unknown to me, I decided to get out of bed and look out the window. I saw what appeared to be a barrel in the centre of the road. I thought my sister's friends were playing a joke on me. And to my horror, the barrel burst open. I don't remember feeling so frightened in all of my life. To my astonishment, from the centre of the barrel, a transparent figure appeared in the shape of a judge. Then to add to my shock, this figure came towards me at great speed. It was more than I could stand. I dived back into my bed and buried my head under the blankets. My heart was thumping hard. I was too frightened to look and see if the figure had gone. I laid there until I eventually fell asleep. In the morning I told my sister what had happened during the night. I felt a little embarrassed telling her my story. After giving it some thought I decided I knew the reason for seeing the barrel and the figure. It was due to the fact that I had been very tired with a combination of hearing the story about the haunted pond and the TV programme about the spirit world. When I had looked out the window, I was half awake and half asleep. The barrel and the figure of the judge were just part of the dream, or sometimes I wonder if it was a real ghost. The next story is not a ghost story, but it's pretty eerie, and it really had an impact on my dad. As I mentioned, my dad was into practising martial arts. Alongside this, he developed an interest in meditation and judo healing therapy, using chi or inner energy to try and help those who may be suffering. I tried to Google to help better explain this, but it's super complicated and confusing and clearly takes years of study to properly understand it. My dad met a woman through a healing group who was suffering with a brain tumour. He had been helping her to combat her symptoms through healing for a few months and she had really improved. Unfortunately, her house was broken into which left her really badly shaken. After the break-in, she stopped responding to the healing. My dad reckons she was in shock, and that that was at the forefront of her mind, so she could no longer access the benefits of the healing they had been working on. So she had decided it was no longer for her and she stopped the sessions. Six weeks after the break-in, my dad was driving to work in Liverpool. When something told him, he had to turn around and head the other way. He drove all the way to Wigan, to a street he had never been to before, and this was before the days of Google Maps, and he knocked on a door. To his surprise, it was the woman's sister's house where, unbeknownst to my dad, she had been staying since the break-in. He explained who he was and how he knew her sister and went to speak to her. She was really weak and ill. My dad felt pretty shaken, spoke some kind words to her and turned to leave. As he was walking back down the stairs, her dad came out onto the landing and said, She has just taken her last breath. My dad was really upset and shaken by this, as he had no clue how he had found the house or how any of it had happened, and he never practiced any healing since. Sorry I can't give you any more information about the judo therapy, but if you're into that sort of thing, I bet it's really interesting to read up on. 
The last story I have for now happened much more recently. A few years back, my dad was up late as usual. He's a night owl like me, probably watching the cage fighting or boxing on the TV. He had fallen asleep on the couch and eventually woke up. He went towards the kitchen to grab a drink of water. As he turned the corner of the hole, the kitchen door was open and he saw, in his words, a beach ball-sized ball of light. I think he said it was green. He shit himself, turned around and walked back down the hallway and turned into the dining room on the right. He thought, what the fuck was that? I better go have another look. Anyway, so he went back to the kitchen and there it was again. This ball of light moved slowly backwards into the cupboard where the boiler was. The doors to this cupboard were slatted and he said he could see the light shining on the floor through the slats. He rubbed his eyes and the light was gone. The next day my dad was chatting to one of my brothers on the phone who lived miles away in Leeds at the time and said, You won't believe what I saw last night. And my brother replied, I was meditating. I saw you in the kitchen. You saw a ball of light and it went into the boiler cupboard. After coming around from yet another what the actual fuck moment, my dad felt compelled to clean the cupboard out. He noticed there was a plastic hanger on top of the boiler that had started to melt due to the heat and my dad realised it must have been some sort of warning. So that was the tale of the helpful, if somewhat petrifying, Mothman beach ball. Oh, and before I forget, I did a bit of research into the hanging judge. The village where my auntie was living is called Steeple Aston and it's actually a thing there. Apparently, this spooky dude was a nasty piece of work who loved dishing out the death penalty back in the day. It's said that the ghosts of the widows of the men he sentenced turned into owls and float him around the pond in a barrel to get back at him. Or some equally mad shit. And story number three comes from Georgie. I grew up in a big old Regency house. There were five of us in the house and two of us were night owls. So no matter what time you were up, there was a noise in the house. Someone walking around, muffled TV, bumping and creaking of floorboards, and muffled voices through the walls. None of us ever thought anything of it, assuming it was one of the others. My story doesn't take place in this old house though, but my new house. I've been living in this one for three years, and I've always taken the creaks and bumps in this house for granted automatically too even when my boyfriend is sat next to me. I ignored the sounds from around the house like I always have. I hadn't noticed this until last night. We were lying in bed, him fast asleep on me and staring at the ceiling, trying to feel sleepy and not think about the fact that my arm was going to sleep and I was still wide awake. When I heard a bump on the ceiling above me, I almost ignored it, but the dark made it more scary and I began to think. There is no floor above me. There's no attic, just a sealed space between us and the roof. As far as I know, it's full of insulation, but because it's sealed, we've never seen it. What came next as ideas of men living in the attic and coming into the house at night swirled around my head was what made me turn the light on and look around. A voice from next to my side of the bed said, Oh... Just like that. Oh. 
like a creepy old man was looking at us curled up together in bed, but it scared the crap out of me. And of course, when I looked, there was nothing there. And story number four comes from Natalie. I believe there is a scientific explanation for everything. We try to make sense of things, but sometimes, often, we don't have the scientific understanding to really know what is happening. At one time, the going theory was that the earth was flat, and that if you walked long enough, you would plummet off the edge. Also, at one time, the miasma theory of disease was the prevalent and medically accepted theory of why people got sick. These beliefs both seem preposterous now, but were accepted as true by respected and intelligent people. This brings me to my story. I don't have a scientific explanation for this story, but I still believe there is one. I'll let you decide what you think happened. I purchased my home in December of 2012. My girlfriend, now wife, was out of town the weekend I moved in, but I didn't want to wait. I hired movers and managed to wrangle the cat into a carrier, and the whole move from apartment to house took about three hours. I set up my bedroom with the bed against the window facing towards the ensuite bathroom. There was nothing strange or unusual about the house. In fact, it wasn't even very old. It was built in the mid-1980s. The only strange thing occurred while the house was still on the market. We went with the realtor to look at it and she came back to us saying that the homeowner wanted to be present during the showing. The realtor mentioned that the homeowner had a break-in years ago. She made sure to let us know that the break-in occurred at a different house entirely but the homeowner didn't want people in her house without her being there. At the time I thought it was a bit strange but I was excited to see the house and figured she was just a bit eccentric. Looking back now, I wonder if there was more to that story. We saw the house and loved it and put an offer on the same day. There was nothing that felt off at the time. But honestly, thinking back on it now, any strange feelings I would have had, I probably would have just attributed to the homeowner's awkward presence. Back to move-in day. I got everything settled and went to bed at a reasonable hour that first night. Then, as I was drifting to sleep, I was woken by something inexplicable. What appeared to be a woman floating in the space between my end of the bed and the bathroom. She was illuminated, as if backlit, but there were no lights in the room. And as I said, my bed was against the window facing towards the bathroom, not the other way around. I looked at her, but she seemed to be behind a wall of water or decorative glass like is used in bathroom windows for privacy. I couldn't make out distinct features, but it was feminine in shape and wearing what seemed to be a white dress. She was facing towards the bed. I wasn't scared and I didn't feel threatened at all. Soon after she appeared, she disappeared and I went to sleep. I slept all night with no other disturbances and I haven't had anything strange happen since. I didn't feel concerned or scared about it until much later. I was home after work one day and I turned on the movie Personal Shopper. Christian Stewart plays a woman living in Paris working as a personal shopper whose twin brother died not long ago. She is haunted by his loss in the way that anyone would be, but for her it seems to take on an otherworldly presence. Her brother was a medium 
and it seems that she also has some ability to make contact with spirits as well. There is a scene in the film where she goes to her deceased brother's house because his girlfriend wants to sell it, but first wants to see if Stuart can figure out if there are spirits in the house. Needless to say, a bunch of freaky stuff happens while she's in the house, and at one point a full body apparition appears, and this is where I got totally spooked. It's like the woman I saw. Just like her. She's in white and appears to be behind water or tempered glass so her features are not clear and she's floating. Now where the two stories diverge is that in the film she is malevolent and attacks Christian Stewart's character, sending her running from the house and my lady didn't. However, having a Hollywood depiction of an unexplained lady I once saw suddenly showing up in a film I'm watching years later was unnerving to say the least. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode and thank you to Lana, Hannah, Georgie and Natalie for sending in your stories. If you would like to send in a story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com and you can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.